This evening, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the focus has to do with faithfulness, the chief requirement. The chief requirement, faithfulness. Uh, In this song service, in singing about how important the body of Christ is to one another, and I alluded to it this morning and gave it uh, it its due, but wanted to uh, restate and emphasize again what, uh, what a blessing it was for me to hear four messages in a row that were delivered uh, while I was gone. And altogether different preaching style than me and the two of them from one another. Um, and yet, diligence, faithfulness to the text, uh, passion for the things of God from um, Brother Skirbina and my brother Claxton, in fact, last night I was listening to it uh, while Kathy had me working at the house. Um, and um, you all didn't catch that, I guess, but that's okay. And, and she came down, uh, uh, brother uh, Jacob, to make sure I was doing it correctly, and, um, and said, is that Adam Claxton preaching? And I said, well, you would think so. The, uh, the acorn doesn't fall f- far from the, from the branch, does it? Or however that saying goes. Um, but thank you, you two who shared, uh, Brother Sailor, week in, week out, um, just like clockwork in faithfulness to the Lord, uh, our, our ushers, our worship committee, our, our sound and, and lights um, folks, parking lot, extended care. There's a lot of things going on all simultaneously, but the reason why it is unto him is because as you can see uh, uh, from the platform this, mo- uh, this evening uh, with uh, Scott and Mark uh, uh, jawing over which movement of Brahms cantata or whatever it was, <laughs> um, we don't take ourselves real seriously. And that is a good thing. Rejoice in the Lord over that. Amen? No prima donnas, no celebrities, just working stiffs like you uh, and... We want the Lord to touch hearts. And so I, I really am thankful for that. It is good to be back, but it was a blessing to hear what went on um, during the past couple of weeks. While I was gone, Kathy was gone. Um, we continue then in our verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Corinthians on Sunday evening. So far, to a great degree in this book, we've been dealing with chaos. Chaos in the church. As a matter of fact, that seems to be the theme of 1 Corinthians. Chaotic living. Because there were factions and divisions in that local church. How sad it must have been to have been a member of uh, First Church of Corinth at that time. With all of the, the animosity there was among those who professed Christ and to a great degree, in fact, knew the Lord. And uh, all kinds of difficulties. So chapters 1 through 3 focused on Paul rebuking the Corinthians for behaving sinfully, selfishly, operating in so-called human wisdom instead of the wisdom of God. Uh, The last half reminding us there are rewards to gain and there are rewards which can be lost. We we studied that in the last few verses of chapter 3. That brings us then to chapter 4 this evening with the key thought being faithfulness, the chief requirement among believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. 
Let a man so account of us or reckon us or consider us, ministers of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, or on top of that, in addition, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing against myself. In other words, I'm not certain of anything, yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Wow, what a rebuke. What a, an eye-opener for the Corinthians from the great apostle Paul. Let's get into it. First of all, the exposition of the passage. The exposition of the passage, faithfulness is described in verses 1 through 7. Now, before there can be a practical application, uh, the idea of what difference does this text make in my life, before there can be that, I need to have proper interpretation. And in order to get proper interpretation, I need to have contextual exposition. I need to expose, and when you do your study, you need to expose that verse, that passage, that chapter, whatever it might be. There's all kinds of different ways that you can approach Bible study, but there needs to be an exposition. I need to lay open, put on top of the table the various parts of a text, and then understand the meaning of it, and then and only then make application um, from that text. And so let's purpose to do that even right now. We see in verses 1 and 2 the qualification of servants. The qualification. What qualifies you to be a servant of the Lord? Well, first of all, of course, you have to be saved. You have to be surrendered. You must be yielded. Now, either way, you're a servant. It's just a question of whether you're a faithful servant or not. And those of us gathered here this evening, others by extension through through live streaming, uh, I'm trusting you are saying in your heart, I so long to not only be a faithful servant, but continue to be a faithful servant of the Lord because that's what matters most to him. It's very clear, it's very emphatic, very straightforward that I am called to be a servant of the Lord. The apostle Paul said that of himself and of Apollos, and in fact, he went on to say, anybody who knows and follows Christ is a steward, is a servant, and you're called to be faithful in that. Now, faithfulness, speak on that for a second, is a trait which denotes dependability, trustworthiness, reliability. You remember when we first started um, 
small groups when we were getting ready for two and three years ago, and we kept talking about accountability and accountability. It's a place of accountability. And what is meant by accountability? Well, in its most simplistic uh, expression, it means that I'm counting on you, and you're counting on me. Uh, I need you to be reliable to me. I need to be trustworthy to you so that we truly can walk together, serve together in the body of Christ, and do so in a way which is mutually a blessing and collectively, corporately, a glory to the Lord. So faithfulness is that important. In order to function at all in life, we are dependent. We're dependent on things. We're dependent on people. I'm dependent on my car to start. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for the mailman to be dependable. I'm looking for the boss to be trustworthy in delivering the paycheck, as he or she indicated uh, that would be the case. Uh, family members reliable with and toward one another. And if not, there's irritation, uh, there's frustration, and there very well could be real problems which will develop and come from it if faithfulness is not what really wins the day. And so I can have talent, you can, you can have abilities, you can have all kinds of money that you can throw at various things, but really that amounts to little or nothing. And in fact, in the eyes of God, it amounts to nothing if I'm not motivated with a loving heart for God and for others and demonstrate that in faithfulness all the while. The context of this passage then deals with the way God's people should view leaders and the quality and the qualification for those leaders. Paul, in this case, and he served among them, was view me as one who is or who is not being faithful. He called himself a lowly servant. If you'll notice in verse 1, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ. Ministers of Christ is a different word uh, than what we will uh, like or often see, and it means an under rower. It was, imagine the shi- a ship 2,000 years ago, and uh, you can think of the movie Ben-Hur with Charlton Heston, and down in the, uh, down in the bottom of the ship, and he was handcuffed, as it were, chained uh, to that rower. That's the word here. It is the lowest of the low. It's the servant of everyone and whose life uh, or death didn't matter at all to the captain of that ship. I'm so thankful that the captain of our salvation, we matter to him. Amen? But yet we're still to view ourselves as under rowers, as those in the belly of the ship, just getting the captain to where he needs to go, where he wants to go. That's the word here. And Paul said, faithfulness is what marks me, not intelligence, not opportunity, uh, not that uh, that I have written more of the New Testament than anyone else, and on and on. No, none of those marks are what he identified as important. Leaders in the church are not to be viewed as celebrities, folks, because they are dust, and I am dust, and uh, I am just like you. The gospel is hid in a clay pot. Do you know how fragile clay pots are? <laughs> Very fragile. And I can be broken. And, uh, and I can be uh, shattered quickly. And you can as well. And so don't put me or anyone else on a pedestal because if that is your focus of that particular leader, and we have seen it in our community these past three and four months, 
how the highest profile leader has absolutely crashed and burned and there has been great heartache and anguish. Now, of course, there's going to be a sense of loss with any of us, but we need to have leaders. And Paul said, leaders are to be viewed in the right way. Pastors, deacons are not leaders over various factions in the local church. And the apostle Paul was scolding this church for how they had evolved into that, devolved into that. A careful balance must be maintained between affirming and esteeming leaders, which scripture calls for, yet not putting them on a pedestal. A leader, a pastor, uh, a, a deacon, some leader in the church should only be looking for an attaboy from the Lord himself. The attaboy being Matthew 25, 21, well done, thou good and not successful, not highly skilled, not intelligent, not educated, but faithful servant of the Lord. That is job one. That is the chief requirement, the qualification of a servant. Be faithful. Secondly, this text deals with the evaluation of servants in verses three through seven. And who evaluates the steward? Who, who evaluates the one who, who's given the job? Well, the owner, the manager, the master, the boss. He's the one who does the evaluating, and it's not left to others. Notice the beginning of verse three. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you. You didn't call me, Paul said. God called me. God commissioned me, and I am ultimately answerable to him. Now, that is not to say that, that what a leader says and does doesn't matter. It just means that ultimately, the, uh, the applause of the church is not what ought to motivate that leader. That ought, folks, you just have to walk in my shoes. A uh, hundred people will go out the door and, uh, and tell me how glorious and everything uh, the worship service is on a particular day. And that's fine. That, that sounds nice. But really, what, what really, and I, maybe it's because of being a bit more experienced. Now, hopefully a bit more mature, nearly 40 years in ministry. I also want to hear, God has done so. I have met with the Lord today. Now, if I hear that, then I'm really rejoicing because I know I can't change a heart. I can't turn someone in another direction. I have a hard enough time even keeping track of myself, let alone you all. But God can do that through the power of his word. Amen? And so that is where the glory is, being answerable to the Lord. And so they were doing it all together, dear. They were, they were saying, well, uh, Paul's okay, but, but Peter's better, and, and we like Apollos, and, and it only caused division. And we're given clear instruction not to judge. Romans 14, verses 12 and 13 said, so then let everyone give account of himself to God. I'm answerable to the Lord. Again, it is not diminishing the idea that what we do and say does matter to one another, but ultimately my accountability is to the Lord, as is yours. Therefore, don't judge other people. And this has, of course, has to do with motives. Um, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because I may very well judge 
incorrectly. Now, um, I, I was just uh, rejoicing in, uh, in, in what Deanna shared with us and, and Jacob preaching uh, two Sunday nights and, and Garrett preaching uh, and all. For all I know, any one of them or all of them are, are, are saying, yeah, I better be careful. I'm going to break my shoulder patting myself on the back. I don't suspect that at all. But can I possibly know that? Y'all follow where we're going here? And so I must commit them to God's evaluation because I can't know definitively. Y'all with me on that? Now, hear me clearly. I do not think that's the case of any one of, any one of them. But any one of us can be self-deceived in, in a given moment. You ever done something and then only to be convicted that you did it for the wrong motive? My, I sure have. And so be careful that you do not, in fact, uh, uh, not purpose, but uh, 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 unintentionally judge uh, inappropriately. In fact, the apostle Paul even, he said it more plainly. Look at verse four. For I don't even judge myself, meaning I don't think in my own life, well, look how great I'm being. Because I can't even know my own heart half the time. I'm committing myself unto the one who judges righteously. And so when you are scolded, when you are rebuked, when, when your motive is questioned, do what Jesus did. Commit yourself unto the one, 1 Peter 2, who alone judges righteously. And then if you are out of line, if you haven't done whatever you've done for the glory of God, you'll be convicted. The Spirit of God will convict you, uh, and you will recognize that and grow from it. <clears throat> Let God be the one who judges. I can't know for sure about what anybody else is doing, not definitively, not relative to motive. Proverbs 21.2 says, every man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. And so I, I am preaching to me as much as anyone uh, in this message, Vic, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do the way you do? Uh, because it matters because I know that I'm answerable to the Lord. Not, not, not in a judgment way. That has been met at the cross. Amen? Aren't you thankful? But in a sense of following up on the issue of rewards or loss of rewards from the previous chapter. Um, I want to make sure that I am doing what I'm doing, faithfulness. Now, notice in verse 5, it says God's going to evaluate the hidden things of darkness. Now, this isn't sin and evil, since, of course, that was met at the cross, and it results in praise of God. At the end of verse 5, every man shall have praise of God. So it's not talking about that. It's simply thing, saying the things that are not readily apparent to any of us, one day... Uh, will be readily apparent. How will it be readily apparent one day? Because Garrett and Jacob and Deanna and whoever else who's serving for the glory of God will be rewarded and will be present to witness that and will all say, to God be the glory. Thank you, Lord, for using him, for using her. Y'all with me there? And so it's not talking about judge for sin. It's talking about judged for rewards or loss of rewards. And Paul is saying, you all are going to lose your rewards because you are develop, you've developed factions and cliques and divisions. Uh, and you have bragging rights for this one or this one and putting down the others. 
In verses 6 and 7, Paul used himself and Apollos as examples uh, so as not to inflame the already existing factions and frictions that, were, that was going on. And he said at the end of verse 7, all that we have, all that we are, all that we ever hope to be is a sacred stewardship from God. You didn't put yourself where you are in life. He is the one who sovereignly ordained when you would be born, what your opportunities were, what your difficulties have been, where, you're, where you've come from, what you have, where you're going. The Lord is overseeing that. And that being the case, rejoice in him, for he is the one uh, who is, uh, who is sovereignly directing your life. He's the author and the finisher of life and of salvation and of blessings and the like. So the exposition of the text in a word says faithfulness to him because he is the one to whom you're accountable. Now, making it practical, how is faithfulness to be expressed uh, how is, it, how is it to play out in my life? How am I to live out this chief requirement? How can I go about doing that? Well, let me offer you three reminders. First of all, we have the example and the testimony of the Lord himself. The best role model for this is the Lord himself. In fact, Revelation 19.11 says, Christ is the faithful and true one. And so if I will study him, if I will study his actions and his reactions, his motives, uh, uh, his convictions, and, and his passions, and all the rest, and I purpose to model that, I am going to be discipled in the way of faithfulness. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.24 describes the Lord Jesus as faithful is he that called you. And so if he is faithful, and he is dependable, and he is trustworthy utterly and infinitely, and he called me to follow him, I can only believe that that was a good thing. <laughs> that was a wise thing for him to do. And so my response is, yes, Lord, I'm following. Yes, Lord, whatever you want in my life, here I go. I'm going to jump in. Uh, no reservations, as Borden of Yale said. No regrets, no retreats, uh, no, no, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. And when he surrendered to missions. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, The Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. It's the Lord who is faithful at keeping you close to himself. I was telling Kathy, uh, I think today, just uh, uh, talking about the working, the machinations of, of the work of the Lord in, uh, in lives. And, and, and I, I said, oh, I know what it was. We saw a sign uh, in, a, in a churchyard, and it, and it almost quoted the verse correctly. First uh, John um, 4.19 and in 1 John 4, 19, uh, this verse on this church, and it may have been an accident, it said, we love 
because he first loved us. Is that an accurate quote? No. What is the accurate, accurate quote? We love him because he first loved us. I'm sure they didn't want to be identified as that Calvinistic, but that's another message. <laughs> and, and I said, I don't know that it was intentional. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it's, it wasn't. We love him because he first loved us. It takes God to know God. And it takes God to follow God. And it takes the Lord to keep me out of the messes that I would get in due to the weakness of the flesh, the distraction of the mind, the laziness of the soul. I need him to move me to be faithful. And so it's not gutting it out. It's not saying, okay, I'm going to pass a New Year's resolution. I'm really going to do better. Uh, I'm going to try harder. Stop trying and start trusting in dependency on him. Because that's the only path of victory. We have the testimony of the Lord. I'm so thankful for the reminder in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe, when I'm not faithful, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. So the precious promises and the commitments he has made to me and made to you are not based on my performance, not based on your performance. I, not, not only can I not measure up, I'm not even supposed to try to measure up because he measured up. And when I am hidden in him, when I am hidden in the cleft of the rock, he's protecting me, providing everything. Now, as a loving father, he'll discipline his own who are not walking in faithfulness, of course. But he's not requiring me to jump through hoops. He jumped through everyone and said, it is finished. No more hoops through which to jump, amen? <laughs> and so I'm in him and I'm complete in him, Colossians 2.10. <clears throat> We have his testimony. We can look at that example. Also, we have the urgency or the legacy of others. We can look to others who have walked in faithfulness and get an idea of what it means um, to walk in that way. Because he's not interested in performance. God is not interested in that. He's interested in identifying, without putting that person on a pedestal, without making that person more than he or she is, but honestly saying, you have been faithful to him in this situation or over this amount of time or you name it. I want to model that. Um, Pray with me. Hold me accountable, whatever, whatever it might be. And Paul said, that that's a wise thing to do in 2 Timothy 2 2. The things which you've heard from, uh, uh, and the things that thou hast heard from me among many witnesses, in other words, you know about it, the same things commit to faithful men who will then commit to others. Faithful believers teaching faithful believers who will teach faithful believers. And Bob's your uncle? 2,000 years later, here we are. Faithful believers. Isn't that a neat phrase? 
I just learned that. Bob's your uncle. Meaning, therefore, here we are today. 2,000 years later of that taking place, someone taught someone who taught someone who taught someone, and here we are, 21st century America, reading this and affirming it and saying, I want to be in that stream. I want to be right in that stream of thought and of service and of ministry to others all my days so that they can then take it to the next generation, to to, to Ben and Ellen's baby. Take it to that one and then those other ones and on and on. Mark, did you ever think you'd live long enough to have a quiver full of, not children, grandchildren? You may live long enough to have a half a quiver full of great-grandchildren. Amen. <clears throat> I can pick on him. He's paid. <laughs> Although not much. Although he's grateful for what he has. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. <laughs> Abel left such a testimony that Hebrews 11:4 says he being dead yet speaks. He's giving a message though he died 4000 years earlier. Uh, may we have that. Those who come behind us find remnants of our faithfulness to the Lord. <clears throat> Timothy left this legacy wherever he went. Verse 17 in this very chapter. For this cause I said unto you, Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. He's dependable. It's not by accident that word is used. So we have the legacy of others. We can look at others and say, wow, are you fruitful? We can look at blind Fanny Crosby for 95 years and say, you were faithful to what God had given to you. We can look at Wycliffe, and we can look at Borden of Yale, and on and on, and William Carey, and, uh, and Fanny, uh, and uh, uh, Annie, uh, um, uh, Annie Armstrong, and, and on and on, all of the heroes and heroines of the faith. And what is the qualifying factor? Faithfulness to his or her calling. Finally, <clears throat> what else do we have to help us apply this? We have the urgency of Scripture. We have the urgency of the Word itself. Verse 2, be Faithful. When facing persecution, the word says, be faithful unto death, Revelation 2.10. Walking out, living out your life in Christ for his glory. Proverbs 20 and verse 6 could be a headline today. Most men will proclaim every one his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. One who walks in humility, as an under rower in the belly of the ship, never to be seen by the crowds as you come into harbor with all the flags waving uh, and the trumpets blasting and the captain waving his hat, while all the while the under rowers were just fulfilling the calling 
to get the captain where he wanted to go. In dealing with the handling of money, Jesus said in Luke 16, 10, he that is faithful in that which is least, that is money, is faithful also in much, that is the service of God. Doing what the Lord calls you to do for no accolades other than the good pleasure of God. Last evening, I think it was, I was uh, finishing up this very message. And I had considered this particular thought and looked at the, I think it's a parable, where uh, the, the, uh, the cook wanted to sit down and eat and the master said, no, you prepare and serve me first for that is what you're called to do faithfully. And Kathy had been cleaning the house, doing some spring house cleaning. We've been gone and, uh, and this and that and doing all kinds of over, uh, above and beyond various things around the house. And she, uh, she, she told me what she had done, just to kind of give you an update on the day. I've been, I've been boning up on the two messages for today. And I said, well, basically what you're saying to me is you've done the minimal of your duty. And then like the servant in that parable, I then said, woe is me. <laughs> she's so much younger than me. She's so much smarter than me that whenever I have opportunity to just tweak her a little bit, I, I, I have to take that opportunity. I, I can't let it go by. She's already so far ahead of me in life. <laughs> she didn't know what to do with that comment <laughs> other than to say, yeah, that's my husband. Uh, uh, and of course, she knows that I greatly appreciate all that she does. We're called to not approach our calling in life with a ho-hum attitude. Never, never are we to approach our calling in that way. In fact, Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, and whatever you do, do it heartily. And that word is with a full soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your passions, do it heartily as to the Lord, as if Jesus were standing there. And not unto men, not looking to showcase in front of men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve him. So motive matters. Passion matters. Dependability. Trustworthiness in whatever calling God has on your life. Have the heart of Solomon, who knew this at the end of his life in Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever thy hand finds to do, do it with thy might, with all the vigor of your soul. And so I ask you, and I ask myself, are you faithful in your service to him? Are you working on a committee? Are you singing in the choir? Are, uh, are you uh, supporting missions? Are you whatever it might be, in the church, in your job, in your family? Are you faithful 
in fulfilling your commitments? Are you faithful in interceding for your lost family and friends? in praying uh, for your church, in praying for your Sunday school teacher, your uh, kids will want a leader. And just a, a myriad of things. I can't possibly name and identify what it is, but you know over which, that which God has placed you as a steward, as a faithful steward. And Paul said to the Corinthians, yeah, Peter's great. Paulus is great. I'm serving the Lord. Don't look at any as celebrities. Pray for faithfulness from those in the lives of those who serve the Lord. May that be how we're characterized. Lord, I'm thankful for your word, the power, the life-changing power of your word. And how... um, You call us really to one requirement as your children, and that is to be faithful to you. And in being faithful to you, the rest will take care of itself. Others will be blessed. The world will hear the gospel. Believers will be built up and will have deep satisfaction in life because of your anointing, your blessing being upon our lives. May what we do not be routine, perfunctory, going through the motions ever, but always ministered and offered with a great measure of love for you, love for others, and your glory um, as the preeminent motivation Touch us, change us, convict us, use us, conform us to follow you all our days. Lord Jesus, in your glorious name we pray. Amen.